The Williams gang was hired by Otto von Kogstein to secure an undisclosed package on a train traveling from New Amsterdam to Philadelphia. The Williams gang has located the vault and looks to have found access to the package. Will they be able to complete their one last job or will the Williams gang fail, finding themselves in jail or worse? Let's find out now in the conclusion to one last job. And the the poor captain, through all the trouble and success he's had in his career, maybe has met his match today. He is going to turn around and look at look straight through and see his guard. And he's gonna go and start like and he's gonna go and be like trying to open the door. Nope. And it's closed. I'm not letting him in. So he's pulling, he's frustrated, and he's like tapping on the glass, and he's mouthing for Owatun to get over here and open the door. And o- and Owatun, what are you gonna do when he's like mouthing this to you? Immediately I'm just gonna be like, Oh the door! Oh what what's going on? And I'm just gonna just kinda be like looking frustrated with like frustrated right along with him, like, why isn't the door working? Like what's yeah, going on? Yeah, you're like delaying, like you're not sure, you're like, what? You're like, go you want me to go this way, that way? <laughs> <laughs> and the captain just gets frustrated because he just wasted his action trying to open a door, which is obviously locked. Patty. Patty is going to get out of the way. He doesn't want the captain who is distracted right now to see him past Willie, so he's going to move back. He he heard the the loud pop, and he's going to move over to see how Glint is doing. You see Glint rocking back and forth, counting his fingers, but nonetheless unharmed somehow. <laughs> it's very obvious to you that the physical lock is gone, but you can definitely sense that they're that the door is still uh, very well protected by some kind of arcane protection. So I'm going to cast upon myself gaseous form and turn myself into gas. Okay. (laughs) Gas. Many vault jobs, they go and make sure that this is impossible, but these guys were so busy making sure there was an anti-magic field here on the inside of the vault so that people couldn't teleport in. Exactly. Is their main concern. They, They forgot about this one and... You find a couple things, but the easiest place is a small crack under the door. Something that you can easily kind of steam under or whatever. You move like silent cloud of gas now more than silent but deadly. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) A greenish orange cloud (laughs) floats under the door. So you want to go? You want to go in there? I don't think I can since I moved and then cast the spell, but I'll be prepared to do it next round. So, well, yeah, we'll say, like, you know, it kind of takes you a few seconds to dissipate. All right, Dorg, you're holding the door? I'm going to covertly, kind of while I'm reacting to the captain, I'm also going to kind of covertly try and tell Dorg to move out of the way. I was going to punch through the glass. And that's why I'm, te- that's why I'm telling you to move. Barbarians are, <laughs> so barbarians are very, very bad at listening. Are you going to listen or are you going to punch through the glass? You are raging. I'm, i got to hit him. Yeah, I'm going to punch through the glass. I'm beginning to see why our last uh, mission went so badly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm rearing back and he I'm looking at him. He's kind of eyeing me. I'm like, ah. I turned you invisible, but I know you're there. And I just well, the moment the moment he becomes aggressive, he's going to start to form again. Exactly. So I'm going to run back to the door, the entranceway to the vault. Are we able to open it? Not yet. I wait. I have to re rage. I'm going to step forward and, and try and help the captain open the door and get it open. Like, captain, what happened? What's, what's going on? We're under attack or something. There was an illusion of a troll. Have you seen any suspicious activity? George in here, he's, 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 he's dead, I think. And, and I think that one of the other guys might be knocked out. I'm not sure. Someone's trying to get to the vault. Get in hurry. 
and he goes and starts following you to the vault. Okay, he kind of stumbles and takes a second as he looks at uh, George, and he shakes him or whatever, and notices that, oh, what? this man's been severely beaten. I'm going to see this kind of cloud of gas forming, and I'm just going to kind of try and covertly around the corner where the, where the captain can't see it. I'm just going to kind of try and wave them, just like, get out of the way, get out of the way. While I was running, I also kind of try and grab that remote control I stole earlier and hit the button so that this automaton or this thing turns off. I don't know if you study the specs or not, but you know you don't really have any way to know whether it worked or not at this point. So I will slip under the door. Well, the robot has blind sense thirty anywhere inside the room. It, it can't. It doesn't seem to really the radius. It doesn't really bother detecting anything. Um, you know, beyond the walls or whatever, you know, I don't know whether it's infrared or what the technology is. Is he going to be able to go and detect you or is it just going to make a really cool, like, drove light? That's what we're going to go and roll on. So you're under the door now. You're kind of, is that the idea? Yeah, I'll slip under the crack of the door and come out on the other side to see what I see. The robot's turn, he's going to, we're going to go by him and we're going to go and play Glint's turn. So when it's the robot's turn, you're going to be in there for a little bit before the robot's going to get a chance to detect you. So it is Glint's turn. Glint knows that there's still an arcane lock, and Glint is a little a little shocked at uh, what he's pulled off. So he's going to back up into the little lounge area right behind him, and he's going to take a seat. Okay, he's currently uh, taking a breather. I think that's only fair after the last roll. The captain is now going to be like uh, rushing towards the vault and is reaching, as you see him running, Willie's watching him, he's, he's kind of like, you know, touching his leg where you know where he has that remote control kind of has a nervous habit. So I'm going to lead him towards the vault so that all the way along the way I'm in front of him so I can kind of, if something needs to be cleared quickly, that I can try and do what I can. You know, he looks around, he doesn't, he does, he sees the vault blown up and, and he sees one of his friends hurt, you know, kind of gets to the corner here and he's evaluating the situation and brings out his gun. I kneel down and, and kind of check his vitals and I'm like, oh, like he's, he, I think he's okay. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to make it. So yeah, the captain doesn't really have a target. I mean, like, you know, without shooting you or one of his dead friends, I mean, all he can look at is, you know, he's, I'm going to go and roll an investigation here on the lock. That's really what the captain is going to do on, on his turn. And it goes very well. He's like, someone's using an explosive on this and blown this door, but it's still secured. So what happens when I come out the other side in gaseous form? Yeah, you are in the vault. In this, you know, you see this robot here. He's, but, you know, he's kind of in here in the middle. And all around him, you know, like there's there's chests. There's like bills that are like, you know, kind of like, you know, uh, uh, tied up in like in paper and rope. There's a whole bunch of like, you know, secured, sealed mail. And, you know, you do see that what you know is the package, which was, you were told would be a blue box. And you see a blue box marked GBU. Ministry of Health, and you definitely know it's the only blue box there, but you know, as you were told, not to ask too many questions. It's about three feet by three feet. It's pretty good size. So Patty is being pretty clever, and he wants to know what they're after. He wants to know as much as he can before they just try and open up this room. Uh, so since the automaton is not paying attention to him, he's going to look at the box that they're after and see if there's any like keyholes or any way for him to slip in gaseous form into this box to see what the heck they have been hired to get. On it, it says classified, and you can see that it's clearly been sealed and kind of like, mm. almost like has like another layer around it. Like, I don't know how good they were at doing hermetically sealing things. They didn't have, uh, say, plastic per se, but you know, it seems to have some kind of like class to go and hold it together. And it seems to have some kind of rubber seal on the uh, lid. 
So here's what Patty's going to do. Patty is going to, in Gash's form, continue to hover right next to the box. But okay. he is going to wait here until the door opens. Okay. All right. It is Dork's turn. So I just want to hide. As I'm already invisible. So, so, you know, not only are you invisible, you're also being, like, ninja quiet. Willie? As a bonus action, I'm going to go ahead and give myself one of my bardic inspiration dies. And then I'm going to try to persuade the captain that we need to open this door because we don't know, but it's possible that these thieves got in there somehow. And we need to open this door so we, so we can find out for sure and make sure all the cargo is safe. Okay, I, I've been giving you a bit of a ride on the Bardic Inspiration. You tell me how disguised in uniform as this, hey everybody, guy, how you're going to go and like, you know, provide yourself an extra boost on what you're trying to go and do. What what flair are you going to do or what, what, what are you going to go and do here? Because, you know, you're not, obviously you're not singing a rock ballad or something. Yeah, I'm just going to be like, well, well, Captain, I, th- I think we should, like, clearly these guys were after something and they, they're not here right now and the only place they could have gone is is in the vault. I don't know how they would have gotten past this door, but I think we need to open this door and find out and see if they're in there. Nice. That is amazing. I'm personally inspired because I didn't even <laughs> think of that. <laughs> I didn't even think of this scenario, so uh, forget the twist points. You just beat it. <laughs> I mean, really, there's nothing between you and that vault and then a, then a roll now. I mean, okay. so this crazy guy, you you hammed it up so much as him that the captain, he's just shaking his head because you're such a, an idiot. But then he looks at you <laughs> and uh, the 10 persuasion, the 15. Yep. He's looking at you like, you know, mm, almost convinced. You know what? You make a good you make a good point there. You know, uh, as annoying as you are. I think, <laughs> I, I, think I, I, you know, get yourself uh Get your weapon ready. Let's let's take a look in here and be you know keep keep yourself out of the way if this thing's gonna shoot you. I'm gonna go and arm the the uh, the automaton six thousand. Okay, Captain, I got my halberd. <laughs> he just shakes his head and he clicks this thing and, and you know activates in his mind the automaton six thousand goes up and kind of from the side whatever he does he does some kind of thing to go and dis- uh, looks like he touches some kind of arcane rune like on a stick or something to the uh, lock to dispel the arcane lock and then goes over the side and kind of like kicks open the, the whatever's left of the door pretty much it's on his hinges now the door is open it's the door is like he just kicks in and slides to the side i don't i don't see anything in there captain the automaton 6000 quickly goes and does a scan as it sees the as it hears and sees the door open and goes into its infrared mode and it makes an attack roll against you who is clearly in its way me yep yes you you're like me Wait, you're almost in voice of the guy now. <laughs> oh, man! He, he really was hoping smart, it would man. punch the captain. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll take the hit. Oh, this gun's going to really shoot hard. The double-barreled gun gets <laughs> a 20 against you for one... What? Okay, give me a second. <laughs> what? For what? what? This thing's a pushover. <laughs> give me a second. I got to get the second barrel in. They did some major budget cuts with the six. <laughs> All right, so the... <laughs> <laughs> the thing not known for its guns because you know you don't want to be shooting up the entire uh, train here you you go and take a whopping one damage from a bullet <laughs> so even though the thing had you dead to rights you still did a little swirl and a turn unfortunately your uniform on the shoulder has a, a rip in it where you know the thing grazed your shoulder and you know didn't take any meat out thankfully but the automaton has more than one turn <laughs> and it is going to scan 
but it does not see the mist. It is not substantive enough or providing enough heat signature for it to detect. So, and it's kind of pinging on the other stuff, you know, you see. So it's really focused on the doorway here, protecting the doorway. The captain seems to be surprised because he, when he was clicking it, he was trying to turn the thing off. <laughs> you know, but he wasn't quite sure. He always he always keep, plays it safe when he, when he opens the door, just in case. So the captain is quite surprised that the... Uh, that the automaton is activated and uh, clicks again with do I no notice result. he did something different with the remote than what I was trying to do? Like when he's trying to turn it off with this fake remote that I gave him? Does he seem to use it the same way as I tried to use the real one? Yeah, he doesn't know. He's just clicking the thing continuously now. Like, you know when your remote doesn't work? Yeah. <laughs> so, and the automaton chooses not to make any moves because this is probably the last thing it wants to do. Patty's turn. Patty is going to go in all the way down and... <laughs> It is Patty's turn. Okay. What Patty does is Patty comes out of Gash's form. He picks up the blue box. He shouts, O'Doyle rules! <laughs> and then he casts his last third level spell, Gash's form, and turns into gas. And the box turns into gas? It does. <laughs> nice. You are winning. <laughs> okay. You won D&D. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! All right, so you guys can go home now. It's over. <laughs> All right, so yeah, like you guys, the heist is going pretty well as long as you don't get like you know shot in the head or anything. That's pretty good. Um, Glint, noticing the commotion and the shots fired, he is going to take his uh, little sleep bomb and toss it around the corner behind the captain, so it'll just hit him. And it's five foot radius. Uh, is there a save on it? There is. It is. Uh, so does 15. Okay, so uh, I need a 15 uh, con save. And I roll an 8. Betty buys for the captain. The captain's like slowly like slumping down like, no. Like, you know, sliding down the side and like, you know, cheek sliding along like, you know, the the the, 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 the wall and is out. You hear the captain snoring away. Dreaming of uh, days when he had a job. <laughs> Maybe he can cover this up. And keep his job. Who knows? Door. Um. Really, there's not a whole lot left to do here, other than you got to move. You're right now. You're on a train going 90 miles an hour with a bunch of beat up and sleeping things. You got uh, two guards in the caboose. You know they, they may or may not have triggers to go and you know do a patrol back and forth. You know how it is sometimes. I'm watching the clock here, and then you have your undercover guy too. You know, don't forget, you got your dwarf friend on a, who's you know on standby as well. You guys had a radio. For you know to be able to go and communicate somehow like a like a two-way radio with the uh, you know with, with your dwarf pal there, Thraddy is is waiting for you guys. And you kind of hear him on the, you know if you want to radio him. Sure, I'll radio in, and I guess the assumption will be that if we needed a pickup, it would kind of be like he can pull up somewhere near the train. Yeah, which is going to uh, you know create a situation where <laughs> the people in the uh, glass car might see you, or the people in the caboose might see you, but. You know, it is what it is, right? Only so many options we have. So I address I address the cloud form of Patty. Patty, um, can you can you get off the train safely in this in this form? I float there. <laughs> I, I, I tell, he floats a yes. You you nod yes floats and floating. A, yeah. He floats a yes. <laughs> in whatever way we we can converse to the point we understand that he can do that. You guys, you guys have done countless jobs together. You guys are going to have pretty good understanding of your capabilities. Patty, float over here if, if you can if you can get off the train safely in this form with a loop. I'll float over to where he pointed to. There's like a window with a crack open in it, letting a little let little air in. <laughs> so I tell the other two, I tell Dorg and Clint, I can 
make it so that all three of us seem like we're dead and victims of this of this uh, heist. And when they get us off of the train, they'll presumably take us to some morgue or something, and then we can just walk out. I have no better plans than that. Yeah. I've been wanting to use feign death since I made this character. It's gonna happen. Patty will then, with them having a plan, slip out the window in gaseous form safely because he's in a gaseous form. <laughs> Why don't we fast forward? So you guys are basically going to be knocked out for the next, you know, 35 minutes of the train ride? Yeah, and then some up to an hour. Patty and Thratty. You're going to kind of fly off for as far as you can for a few minutes and then meet up with Thratty? Yep. Before you go and call, you kind of uh, radio that plan. You go and tell him that have a lookout for a orange and green cloud of gas <laughs> i'll have a look at but uh well hopefully he goes and uh, materializes it's a lot tougher to see him well it's tough to see him anyway he's such a wee fellow <laughs> <laughs> so uh so thratty picks you up you know uh, he kind of you know flies low and meets you about uh 200 yards away from where the train was the train's long gone you know moving at 90 you guys are you know Halfway between Philadelphia and, and, and New Amsterdam, you have, you know, materialized, and it's uh, Thratty and uh, you and the box and the skiff. I met up with Thratty then. Yeah, so you guys, and you know, you're like, you know, you're feeling pretty good. Everything's good to go. And uh, before you uh, know what's happening, Thratty's uh, pointing the gun at you. He's got the drop on you, and he's like, I'm sorry, laddie. A better offer came in. These here. Supplies are pretty important. Thratty, you son of a gun. <laughs> so how's this going to go down? Well, I'm going to fly this off to a better offer. And you are going to have to figure out a way to pay back our good Fernando in another way. So this is my twist. I'm using my twist where he is going and you, your friend who has never betrayed you is betraying you. Thratty, you sure you want to do this, laddie? You sure you want to betray all of us? Well, I'm only betraying you. I saw the opportunity when uh, the rest of your lot went and didn't bother coming back. Do we still have a, a twist point? You sure do. Okay. So here is my twist then. Thratty, mind completely about greed and thinking he's got the upper hand because it's just me and I'm a wee little fella. He was so preoccupied and cocky in his plan that he didn't notice Cadbury, my Memphis automaton, following me slowly behind. And so Cadbury comes up behind Thratty and with his gun pointed, and I hope this doesn't turn out really bad for me, <laughs> but Cadbury, sensing that I'm in danger, uses his steam breath attack against Thratty. Okay, uh, you have advantage? I don't actually need to roll. So what Thratty has to do is he has to succeed a DC save of 10. It's a deck save. So I guess instead of me having advantage, that would just, I guess, mean he has disadvantage on that? That's true. Okay, um, Thratty's pretty, uh, he's like you know, a race car pilot kind of guy. So he's pretty, uh, you know, he's pretty nimble guy. And uh, he is going to roll. Yeah, he got a. I got a nine and an eighteen before adding in his dexterity, so he passed. He still takes damage. Uh, he takes fire damage 
and I rolled a seven for Cadbury's fire damage. He halves that. I will say that he definitely turns to face that, so if you have anything left, or if that's pretty much your action. Well, then I am going to use Thunderclap to try and knock this sucker out of there. All right, off the skiff. Because it's got to, what is it, it got to push 10 or something on it? You know what? Uh, this is up to you as the DM. But what I would like to do is I would like to use Thunderclap and center it on the gun that Thratty's holding. Go ahead. Okay. And you have advantage because he's turning. So you're kind of trying to get him from the side. I'm, you know, you kind of got a good end. i knock that gun out of his hand. It's a con save. He has to do a save of 14. <laughs> Two plus his con. So even though he's a dwarf... Um, he is not going to pass that. So I create a burst of thunderous sound uh, that can be heard 100 feet away. Each creature other than you within five feet of you must make a constitution saving throw. Uh, he failed, and so he is going to take 2d6 points of damage of thunder damage. But you want to go and apply that pretty much as a disarm, so... I thought it was another spell, but if that's something that still might work as far as the magic, I'd rather have that happen. The fact that he really, really failed with like a you know a two plus his thing, so he's under ten, like he's failing by a lot. I'm gonna go and allow you to go and um, instead of having him take you know he'll take half the hit points. Okay. But he's gonna go and get disarmed because of that. Okay, so I will roll my two d sixes and so nine damage. He has it, and what happens to the gun? The gun goes flying across the skiff's uh, deck, so it's kind of like all the way. Like, okay, so what do you want to do? I will move towards the gun with my movement. So you're gonna have to go past him. He's gonna take a reaction with his unarmed as you go by, and he misses. All right, I pick up the gun. I turn it on him. He's going to, uh, you know, raise his hands, but out of frustration and trying to get rid of you or whatever, he's gonna kick the box overboard. Ooh. So what do you want to do? So you guys are like 60 feet, uh, you know, 60 feet up. Well, he didn't give me much of a choice, so I'm going to shoot him in the leg. Okay, do an attack roll. I don't know if you're proficient with guns or not. If you're not, don't. Nat 20. <laughs> you can oh. see him right there, baby. I'm not even you, wing him right, you wing him right in the knee. You get him in the knee. He's right down. I'm going to go and say he's down. You know, he can still try to do whatever, but he's got no weapon. You got him right in the knee with a nat 20. So, you know, doing a bunch of criticals. So he's going to be, you know, bloodied and hurt or whatever, and he's disabled. So he's doing everything he can just to keep the flying the skiff right now. I've used my spells that are going to help me for the day. So I yell, Cadbury, get the box! And hopefully Cadbury can reach it in time. And that's, that's as much as I'm going to be able to hope for at this point. Okay, so Cadbury is able to fly down and slow the descent of the box, but the box still crashes, and you hear like a big thud. And like a little bit of splintering, but it looks like the box is still generally intact, if not sealed anymore. And you have a gun trained on somebody who's winged, who's, you know, just checking to make sure that the, the thing doesn't crash or whatever. He's like, oh, you got me dead to lights. I shouldn't have tried. Big mistake. No more games, Thaddy. Fly over to Cadbury and keep it flying steady. And I will keep this gun on you steady. I... So he kind of lowers it down. Are you going to just, like, tell him to go away? Or are you going to keep the skiff? Or what are you going to do? As soon as we uh, get, like, lowered down, I'm going to say, You brought this upon yourself, boy. Strip. <laughs> down to your knickers. And then kick him off? Yep. <laughs> okay. You got it. I'm just going to have him jump. I'm not going to make the foolish mistake that characters in movies make all the time and get close enough to be disarmed. I'm going to have him right. 
take go right down to his his boxers briefs whatever he's decided and have him take a step off he's like you think yeah you think Otto's after you wait till you get a load of me when I get another chance and he jumps off we'll see and then as I fly away I'm gonna head towards where I think my friends are I'm gonna make sure that he hears me as I scream out Odoyle rules <laughs> so you're flying so so we'll, so you're flying back to Philadelphia and you get a chance to check what's in the box because it is cracked open and not sealed now. Yeah, we'll say I fly to a safe height and I will check out what is in the box. And you see that it is cholera medication. Mm. And whether you know or not, uh, that doesn't whether that means anything to you or not. You can do a knowledge check, but only the only person you saw in newspaper was a door, right? So you guys had a safety safe house in 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 Philly uh, lined up. You, you don't really you don't really know much, but you did know that you need to meet up with your friends. Um, you're pretty sure that the whatever this medicine's for, it's got a huge black market value, uh, being official Ministry of Health uh, stuff. And you guys meet up at the house, you know that you didn't let Otto know about. It. It's kind of on your own, right? So you guys are all around. You guys, you know, it's three hours later, or whatever, and you guys are all around a table. Do they wake up in the morgue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you guys probably like I don't know if you needed to go in to drill into all that. I mean, I think you guys probably no one's looking for you. You kind of just it's like the drive away in an ambulance and like take off your uh, uniform kind of scene, right? We wake up uh, just a, as they're loading us into like a paddy wagon as they're turning around to go grab uh, somebody else who's injured. We wake up and drive away. About three hours later, you guys, you know, you've been sitting around here for a while wondering if they're ever going to show up. You're pretty confident that the plan was going to go. If not, you'd be rich on your own. And you guys meet up, and uh, the heist is successful. So uh, you know that Otto has uh, someone appointed to go and make the delivery to. He was prepared for you to go and deliver to him in New Amsterdam. Okay, so we're at the our meetup point right now. You're at, yeah. yeah, you're at like your safe house. You know, it's a. Uh, so I'm assuming they all come in together. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna just be waiting there, sitting at a table with the box on the table. And as they come in, I'm going to just say, Vadi betrayed us, but I've got the box. And I'm going to push it towards them so they see its content. So uh, everybody looks in and, you know, it's pretty obvious that it's medicine of some kind. If you can read, you can see that the label says like cholera oh. vaccine on it. There's a cholera outbreak in uh, Philadelphia. Huh. Here's my question. What is Otto planning on doing with this? Probably just trying to make a profit. Or he didn't want anyone to get healed. Yeah, he's probably just going to sell it to, to the population for, for more money. Because this, this was a ministry transport. And it was a ministry, ministry of health supply. So if he can steal it from them and then sell it back to the government or to the local government at, uh, in Philadelphia, he can probably make a lot of money off of it. Sean, from our interactions with Otto and our knowledge of who Otto is, would that give us any sort of inkling to what his plan would be with this? Like what his moral actions would be with this His, his moral actions are 100% that he would be putting this on the black market and knowing that when he would have been hearing about this opportunity or whatever, he would have been trying to strike to maximize his profit. To being connected... Is Otto making more money than he would have if they weren't if there wasn't an outbreak? He wouldn't even bother it if there wasn't, because he knows this is worth millions, you know. And you're starting to you're starting to wish that you you know knowing that you saw the the potentially millions in the vault that you left, I'm starting to wonder now what you guys are gonna do. 
Well, Billy, you're our leader. What's the plan? Are we just going to give this to Otto? What if we just give him something that looks like that? We just disguise it. Are we all right with being on the run from Otto, though? The way I see it, the only option, we have the safe option, which is to give Otto the supplies and be done with Otto. I don't think my character has any motivation to do anything other than just give it to the guys. Yeah, I want to give it to Otto. Let's get this over with. Glint will go with the group, if nothing else, because of the of uh, history. All right, well, you know, as hard a decision as it is, um, you guys make the drop at the, uh, at the Philadelphia um, outskirts um, farmhouse. I would like to... I would like to, as the drop's happening, sleight of hand to switch the box and its contents out. <laughs> okay, and they don't know this. Now we roll it I'm up. I'm not sharing everybody it with the group. <laughs> now, everybody else, roll that thing if you're checking. No, probably not. If you want Perception. to, you don't have to. All right. <laughs> Dorg cares. Dorg <laughs> is too busy <laughs> counting his pocket change. All right, that gets through. I have like 1600 extra for buying the wrong tickets. <laughs> I would like to, after I've swapped them out, when we're going to meet Otto, I'm just going to say, boys, I don't wish to see that ugly son of a gun's face again. I'm sure we'll meet up sometime soon in the future. You'll be hearing from me. And I'm going to cast Fly on Myself, and I'm going to fly away. Going to City Hall. All right. So, uh, Philadelphia City Hall, you got, or whatever, running up the rocky steps or whatever it is. <laughs> whatever they had back then. <laughs> go see the Liberty Bell or something. So we're, go- so we're going to the drop in Philadelphia. Yeah, you guys went to the farmhouse on the outskirts, and Patty took off on you and uh, with the switch. And we'll leave it there. Well, it looks like Patty is made off with a cholera medicine. But what about the rest of the Williams gang? Will we ever find out? Be sure to listen to Mitch Connolly and myself, Sean Ellsworth, discuss this game in the conclusion interview for One Last Job. Thank you, listeners of the GM Showcase, for coming along on this journey with us for One Last Job. I'd also like to thank the Block Party Podcast Network for having me on as a guest. It has been an honor and a privilege. 